0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is the 29th of July 2022. I'm Carmen Laburge. You can always text me during the show, 877-933-2484. Some of you all wound up on the text line this morning about the question of whether or not we are in a recession. And since it's something that I cannot... um you know, personally uh, control, and its definition is a little bit up for grabs. We're going to deal with that in just a moment. But right now, I want to talk with you about branding. Branding. Not like branding cattle, although the Friday Farm Report, will uh, we will cover that um, in the bottom half of the hour today, which means like, you know, 30 minutes from now. Um, but I want to talk about branding. Oh, and we're not branding things on my farm because I I I don't think I could do that. But anyway. Okay. So, branding. I want to talk about Sesame Street as a brand. I want to talk about the Sesame Street theme park whose brand is actually used by SeaWorld. Mhm. So, here's what's going on. Sesame Street theme park has been in the news of late because a video went viral. One character um, seemed to fail to, um, her, the character's name is Rosita. And Rosita seemingly ignored these two black girls during a parade. And that video went viral. That sparked this nationwide outrage, outrage, accusations, um, of racism. Social media, I mean, literally flooded then with examples of similar incidents that allegedly took place at the same amusement park, Sesame Street theme park. So here's my question because um, Sesame Street is a brand who offered a license to use its branded characters and its name to SeaWorld. It's actually a SeaWorld park. But who's taking the hit in terms of branding? SeaWorld's not taking the hit. Sesame Street is. So when we think about um, the way that we behave in public and whose brand we are, whose brand is actually being harmed or benefited by our public behavior? The the encouragement that I want to, um, or the connection that I want to make here for you and I, is about Christ. He has lent us His brand, His name. Like, right, we're literally carrying around the brand name of Jesus. We call ourselves Christians, and so whose reputation is harmed when we? behave badly in public when we behave in ways that are inconsistent with the brand. Are we harmed sometimes? Or is the one whose name we're carrying harmed always? So Sesame Street is harmed even though uh, it is technically SeaWorld. That is the one um, doing or not doing, failing to do all the good here. And I thought it was an opportunity for you and I to talk about the brand we carry, which is Christ. Democrats have gone from seeing red in relationship to West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin to, well, seeing green. So, Senator Joe Manchin, you might remember, stonewalled these huge proposals um, over inflation concerns. Um, Yesterday, he reversed course. Uh, He has now said he is going to support a Reconciliation bill, that reconciliation bill is huge by all accounts. It's going to reform the tax code. It's designed to combat climate change and address uh, health care costs. So the bill includes here's some big numbers for you 369 billion toward climate related programs that in the end uh, would make it easier for you to buy an electric car should you want to. 64 billion to uh, extend expanded coverage of the Affordable Care Act. A 15% minimum corporate tax rate, which you say to yourself, well, I feel like corporations should pay taxes. Yes, but there are incentives out there for them to um, uh, buy the underlying uh, pieces of equipment and real estate that they need to build buildings and, and on and on and on. And they're not going to be able to take advantage of, um, of let's say, depreciation over time because they're still going to have to pay a 15 percent minimum corporate tax no matter what, no matter what. That is the new will be the new floor, um, which is going to gut corporate um, investment, which, you know, is actually, in my view, not good monetary policy. But there you go. Um, It's also granting permission for Medicare to negotiate drug prices, which is a a wonderful, wonderful um, outcome of this particular legislation. And it's the part that costs nothing. So there you go. Um, All right. uh, We are going to talk next with Adam uh, Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In about all of the things that you might be watching out there in the consumer world. Here's one thing to watch. On August the 1st, Sprite is going from green to clear. That's right. Sprite's signature bottles will no longer be green anymore because apparently it's more sustainable for them to be clear. So Sprite's clear. Their bottles are going to be clear. There you go. That's a little rebrand info for you on this Friday morning. Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family is up next. from focus on the families plugged in you can find what we're talking about at PluggedIn.com. hey good good morning Adam
1: good morning Carmen how are you
0: I'm well what do I need to know about the DC League of super pets well
1: unfortunately <laughs> there are some things you need to know and this uh this sort of leaps into the bigger disappointment of the year category um, this should have been a just a fun rollicking story about crypto who is superman's superpowered dog uh and when superman gets in trouble because a crazy guinea pig named Lulu takes over the world and kidnaps superman with the help of kryptonite of course crypto and his buddies have to come to the rescue so like i said should have been fun but of course we have to have multiple same sex couples In the background, you know, whether kids notice them or not is up for debate, but they're there. We have Superman and Lois Lane spending the night together, even though they're not married. Uh, And I think in some ways the most glaring thing here is we have one character with a really foul mouth who uses the harshest profanities you can think of. And, yes, I'm thinking about those words, Um, and they're bleeped out, Mm -hmm. but we know what they're saying. Um, and so I was just like, what in the world, can we just make a kid's movie without, you know, sex without really foul stuff that I think is pandering to parents or or pandering to adults? I think somewhere in Hollywood, somebody thinks, well, we have to toss in some naughty stuff or the parents aren't going to like it. I'm like, well, do you have children? Do you want to explain to your kids why? you know multiple things this one guy says have beeps over the top uh no so yeah, this is a this is a huge miss from Warner Brothers but it's consistent with where DC Comics is at these days which is pushing the LGBT agenda pretty much every chance they get so i know i kind of sound like a ranting old man here but it's but okay. as a parent i just feel like come on guys um i'm going to channel my inner inner joe biden come on man (laughs) and and then i'll get my inner joe biden out because i'm not sure i want him there so there we go exactly exactly.
0: (laughs) um all right how about well how about best foot forward which is an apple plus series
1: well so far there isn't any lgbt stuff there and this is about a seventh grader who has dealt with cancer and had a leg uh amputated he's got um He's got a prosthetic leg um, and is going to public school for the first time uh, in seventh grade and is, you know, trying to make the most of it. Um, And this is a nice movie or excuse me, a nice TV show about his friendships and about his experiences as he uh, literally steps into a new world. So um, it's a nice show. And I, I say that like holding my breath almost because it feels like even the stuff that plugged in that, that we're able to say, Hey, here's one you don't have to worry about. I don't know, but what the next season they're going to completely undo that. And one of the other shows uh, that we reviewed this week, Jurassic world camp Cretaceous, which is an animated Jurassic world uh, TV show. And so it has kids and teens fighting dinosaurs This was a show that we really liked, but this year one of the characters has come out as bisexual and kissed another girl. And so I I almost feel like we have to put an asterisk on everything on television these days because I feel like it's only a matter of time, even with the stuff that we like, before they introduce those kinds of storylines.
0: All right. Um, you guys need to check out what's at uh, posted at PluggedIn.com. Uh, Paul Acey, who joins us from time to time, has a really excellent blog posted um, called Are We Capturing Moments or Are We Hostage to Them? Really appreciate that particular blog posted um, this week as well. We're going to talk next with Adam Holtz about some other things posted at PluggedIn.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right, so you got a screaming kid in the car seat and you're trying to unload your groceries into the back of the car. What do you do to calm her down? Well, in many cases, you hand her a phone or you hand her a tablet, and she is magically entranced by the images, the colors that she sees. No problem, right? Well, actually, Mm -hmm. you've just stunted your child's brain development. So we're talking with Adam Holtz. I'm going to look at this piece posted at PluggedIn.com, how screen time short circuits social development. What are we doing to our kids, Adam?
1: Well, you probably know, many of you probably know, the first three years of life, and especially the first year of life, are an incredibly important time where the brain's neural connections are forming at an incredible rate. And and that even continues throughout adolescence. And our brains, you know, scientists tell us, aren't really fully developed. They're not really fully adult until we're about 25. Uh, but those first couple of years are hugely important, and kids and especially infants and toddlers part of that development comes because they read faces they look at mm-hmm. the world around them they're processing things and they are making neural connections by observing the world around them so when your baby or even your toddler is just sitting kind of looking around and staring you might not think that there's brain development happening there but it but there is Um, And so we looked at an article that was in Psychology Today called How Screens Interfere with the Innate Drive to Socialize. And uh, it's written by Dr. Richard E. Saitawik, which is a super fun name. Uh, But he says the visual cortex develops its forest of connections most rapidly during the first three months of life. And the postnatal brain continues to grow in volume by 1% every day tripling in size between the ages of zero and two. Early experience is particularly important and critical time windows exist during which a specific kind of input exerts its greatest effect on the developing brain. And so when you put a screen in front of a child, um, it completely stops that development because it gathers their full attention, uh, but they don't really have the ability to process what's happening there. It's just a it's a shiny thing. Uh, And so the development that should be happening uh, gets slowed down. Um, Mm. And, and so it's, again, if you give your kid a screen every now and then, is it is, are you going to slow them down? Is it going to be 40 before they're fully developed? Probably not. Um, The point here is not to talk in absolutes, but to recognize that if you have patterns of using a screen, essentially as a pacifier and look, I'm a parent of three. I know sometimes, as parents, we're at the end of our rope, right? And we need a break and whatever it takes. I get it. But if that's a habit that you have, it probably is worth rethinking. Is there something else that I can begin to do here? And understanding how important that developmental time is for your kids.
0: And they're total addicts. I, I don't. I don't know how else to say that. But there, it doesn't take very long. For them to be total addicts, I do not want to compete with a screen for a child's attention. Um, yep. I do not want to compete with a screen for um, uh, fun time together. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Right. I don't want. I you know the 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 child or grandchild who becomes grumpy that you know I want to play a game or build a fort and they just want to know when they can have the iPad. And I, I got to tell right. you, I, I, go stri- I go straight. I go straight <laughs> to the roof. I'm like I. Yeah, that's not what this is about. This is not and, and so I get this, I get that we re, we wire them to want something other than human interaction. And yeah. I don't like that. I don't like
1: that. Exactly. And this article focuses primarily on the development of of babies and toddlers, but it goes on to say uh, this um Mr. Saitoic says screens have made it difficult to be present not just to others, but to ourselves. And so this is not just an issue for babies. This is an issue for adults as well. And to the extent that our attention and our hearts are gravitating toward a screen, um, we're not available to other people. And we're sending the message that whatever is happening on that screen is more important than the flesh and blood relationship right in front of us.
0: This may have been, um, in my own experience as a child, why my father threw the television into the swimming pool one day, like as I'm That's thinking cool. back.
1: I love that right? story. As I'm
0: thinking back. <laughs> and so we did live without a television for a fairly long period of time after that. Um, hmm. So this uh, this not wanting to compete – with uh, with screen time, um, apparently this is generational in the Fowler family. So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just that just flash. I just had that flashback. I I remember him, you know, announcing that he was home and whatever should have happened then, which should have been, you know, Daddy's home, right? And some acknowledgement of it. Instead, we were like glued to I don't know Gilligan's Island. Who knows, right? I love Lucy. Right. And uh, it went into the pool, mm-hmm. and that was it. That was it. There was no there was no competition. <laughs> Any longer for any period of time. Um. All right. What um. What else do we want to talk about? We got a couple of minutes. How about this um latest social media trend, which is poetry? What? Yeah, this is
1: interesting. Um. And honestly, the story itself is not much bigger than the headline, which is that um on TikTok, on Snapchat, on social media, there it, there seems to be anecdotally an uptick in people. Uh, writing poetry and sharing it. And um, there are a number of experts in poetry saying, you know, poetry is one of those things that feels kind of old fashioned, but it's remarkably adaptable in terms of fitting into new media and, um, and kind of going with the flow. And, and to me, it speaks to, I think the bigger issue that our hearts as individuals, as people created in God's image we long to express our identity. We long to express our God-given sense of who we are. Uh, and in some ways, poetry, at least as far as words are concerned, is kind of the purest example of that, which is not to say that all poetry is, is pure, but, but in the sense that we're using a few words to try to communicate an idea that, uh, that we care about and the way that we see the world. Uh, and so it's kind of heartening amid all of these screen stories to say to see that you know something as old, seemingly old fashioned as poetry is having a, a bit of a renaissance right now.
0: Hmm. All right. Also on the rise, and this is an assignment for you, Adam, because you know every okay. once in a while I like to give you something to do. Everybody now uses subtitles. Everybody. Especially this like 18 to 24 or 25 age group. They don't watch anything without having the subtitles on. This is true in my own in my own home, and so I thought. So what's the reason I, for it? Well, I'm going to let you research this because TechSpot oh, okay. and some others have some things out there on it, but I think they miss one thing, and that is those young people are watching shows that um, sometimes the the there's an accent, a person with an accent, or there is a person. Um, speaking, uh, using words and language that those of us who are older, like it's not even in our vocabulary. It's just not language that we would ordinarily be exposed to or use. Um, And we're nearly deaf. What? Like you can't, we're nearly deaf. Like you can't turn the volume up loud enough. That was a joke. Oh, that was you being,
1: you're so funny. No, I was being a dad right
0: there. That was my (laughs) So, okay. So will you do a little research on this, the rise of the user subtitles? I will do it.
1: I have the article open right now. We can talk next week.
0: (laughs) You're so good. That's Adam Holtz. He's with us every Friday. He comes from Focus on the Family's Ministry of Plugged In. You can check it all out. Tons of great stuff there, pluggedin.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen Laburge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, Jennifer texted in. Wow, you had a pool and a TV growing up. I didn't have either one. In my mind, that makes you one of the rich kids. Yep, I uh, I recognize that. Totally, one hundred percent. I was um, so blessed. Um, so my parents uh, came from farm families in Indiana. My dad's dad was um, the kind of farmer where you farm land. For uh, a landowner, in, in his case, the landowner lived internationally and um, he farmed that land his whole career, as far as I know. Um, my maternal grandfather um, had about a third grade education and was a tenant farmer. So my mom moved 24 times before she got to high school. Um, and, and it is still remarkable and amazing to me that both my parents first in their families to go to college and then worked very diligently um, and really did absolutely experience the American dream. Um, And so, yeah, by the time I was in uh, grade school, we had moved from Indiana to Florida and there's no question that looking back, no question that looking back, the neighborhood that I lived in, which by the way, I would not be able to afford to raise my family in today. No question about it. Um, I was one of the rich kids. Yeah. I get that. I was blessed and privileged. And, um, and I hope that I am now using those blessings that I received and experienced to, to bless others and lift others up that others might flourish. But yes, I I get that. I embrace that. I acknowledge that. No question about it. So thank you, um, Jennifer, for acknowledging that and pointing it out. It's definitely worth um, worth highlighting. Um, all right, we're going to spend some time together, just you and me, uh, talking about things going on in the culture. We are going to, um, to touch on what has happened across the United States since the uh, Supreme Court's ruling in the Dobbs case, which overturned both Roe v. Wade and the Casey decisions. So what has actually happened functionally across the United States? And, oh, yes, of course, the Friday Farm Report. All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Cook to wash it down, <sighs> maybe a couple of
1: anchovies, make this meal well-rounded. I want cold pizza for breakfast
0: and a pinch mm-hmm. cold Cold pizza for food. breakfast sounds really good. Who's got some cold pizza, pizza, pizza out had had there? That sounds really tasty. All right. So what has been going on across the United States of America since the decision of the Supreme Court uh overturning Roe v. Wade? So the number of abortions in the United States, um, which were on the decline for 30 years until 2017, um, actually rose um, in the last few years. So I think that when we start talking about where we are today, um, we need to talk about where we've been for the last few years in relationship to abortion. Because you can't, it's hard to assess your current reality if you if you don't, you know, kind of have a context for it. So here you go. One in five pregnancies in the United States in the year 2020. One in five pregnancies in the United States in the year 2020 ended in an abortion. One in five Pregnancies in the United States in the year 2020 ended in an abortion. There were 930,160 abortions in the year 2020. Nearly a million Americans aborted before they were born. That is an 8% increase from 2017 to 2020. Um, and so there were a lot of people terminating their pregnancies, uh, in the year 2020. And 54% of all of those U.S. abortions in 2020 were accomplished through what is called chemical or medication abortion. Pharmaceutical drugs taken basically as a cocktail designed to end The pregnancy and evacuate the fetus from the body. Yeah. So, more than half of all of those 930,160 abortions in the United States of America, more than half of them were accomplished at home by a woman on her own taking drugs to terminate her pregnancy. So it has now been a little over a month since the decision of the Supreme Court in the Dobbs case, which overturned the Roe and the Casey decisions, returning the question of abortion access to the individual states. And so in that month, from June 24 to July 24, that's the month we're looking at, many clinics where abortions were previously performed have shut down. Now, why? Why? Well, in some cases, it's because of the law in that state. But in many cases, it's because, well, even though they offer other services, abortions is where they made all their money. And so they can't they can't make it as a, quote, unquote, family planning clinic unless they do abortions because abortions are the money maker. So there are 11 states that are looked at in this Guttmacher report that I'm drawing from now. Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Mississippi, Missouri, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, and South Dakota. Oh, Tennessee and Texas. All right. So there's 11 states in view here. And those 11 states had a total of 71 clinics performing abortions before June 24th. Those 11 states combined now have 28 Twenty three clinics closed in Texas, which has a near total abortion ban. Five clinics closed in Alabama, five in Oklahoma, two in Arkansas um, and in Missouri, in Mississippi, Missouri and South Dakota, um, each of which only had one abortion clinic uh, statewide prior to June 24 now have none. So. Uh, the remaining clinics are all in Georgia, Ohio, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas. Uh, and each of those have a six week abortion ban. So we talked yesterday um, with Dr. Peter Kapsner about the number of people of reproductive age in the United States who are, um, who know they don't want to have children, but also want to apparently keep engaging in sexual practices that we all know have the potential to produce children. And so they are choosing to be sterilized. Others are accessing abortion-inducing drugs, planning to have those on hand to have a do-it-yourself way of approaching an unwanted pregnancy. Now, on the flip side of the conversation, in this last month, there has been an overwhelming rising tide of uh, plans and resources and advertising and invitation out there. Pro-life individuals, churches and ministries are leaning forward to assure women, if you are experiencing an unwanted pregnancy, we want you to know that that child is wanted. You may be experiencing an unwanted pregnancy, but that child is planned and wanted. And so hear me now, if you or someone that you know is experiencing a a pregnancy they did not plan. That does not mean that that life is not planned. God conceived of that person before the foundations of the earth. And just because that individual doesn't want that pregnancy, it does not mean that that child is not wanted. Our messaging related to this has to be hope filled, and it has to be on point. So let me share with you something um, here out of the University of Michigan. University of Michigan's football coach is Jim Harbaugh. You might recognize his name. Um, He is pro-life. He and his wife recently spoke at a pro-life event. Um, Social media went kind of bonkers about that. Um, And the former NFL coach has since then doubled down. And on ESPN, he said that he and his wife will, quote, raise the baby. If family members or players or staff should have what they perceive to be an unwanted pregnancy. So on July 17th at a Right to Life event in Plymouth, Michigan, the Harbos, um, Jim and Sarah, um, talked about why they're pro-life. Here's what he said. In God's plan, each unborn human truly has a future filled with potential, talent, dreams, and love. I have uh, living proof in my family, my children, the many of thousands who I've coached that the unborn are amazing gifts of God to make the world a better place. And to me, the right choice is to have the courage to let the unborn be born. And so then in a follow-up interview with, uh, with ESPN on Saturday, July the 23rd, um, Harbaugh went on to elaborate on his comments, and he said this, I've told them, he he means his kids and his players, I've told them the same thing that I tell my own kids. I tell them the same thing I tell the players. I tell our staff members. I encourage them if they have a pregnancy that wasn't planned, go through with it. Go through with it. Let the unborn child be born. And if at any time you don't feel like you can care for it, you don't have the means or the wherewithal, Sarah and I will take that baby. He continued when he was asked about um, his part in this uh, pro life rally. He says, Faith, family, football, those are my priorities. I just think abortion is um, an issue that's so big. It needs to be talked about, it needs serious conversation. Ask people, What do you think? What do you think? So I ask you, my friends, What do you think? Are you willing to turn to your children, the friends of your children, the kids you coach, the the, the people you meet along life's way, and come right out and say, just because you didn't plan it doesn't mean it's not planned. And just because you don't want it doesn't mean it's unwanted. Let the unborn be born, and then let those of us who are reborn take responsibility for them. I'll take that baby. Can you get to the place where you could say that? I'm pro-life from conception to natural death, and I want to be prepared to be pro-life in the kind of way that Jim and Sarah Harbo are pro-life. What about you? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen Laburge, and this is Faith Radio.
1: Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen Laburge. Hey, I'm Suzy Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Suzy Larson Live at
0: MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. that that music means it's time for the Friday Farm Report. All right, maybe you can hear the thunder outside right now. We finally got some much needed rain here. I think we are experiencing the uh the southernly edge of the tremendous storms that passed through both St. Louis earlier in the week and uh and Kentucky in the last 2 days. Um let's be continuing to pray for people across the middle portion of America that was much in need of rain, um, and then it came in a volume that was uh, was too much to handle all at once. But we did finally get some much-needed rain here. Um, our tomatoes are doing great. And yes, for those of you wondering, I did take the chicken with the broken leg to the vet yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jim in Simsbury... Um, your Longaberger pie basket that you sent me last year or the year before, in relationship to the fact that we like to transport pies to and fro, come to find out, is the perfect size for the transportation of a chicken. Because you gotta have something with a lid, and a pie basket, come to find out, is exactly chicken size. So there you go. I uh, loaded my pie basket up with my chicken, and she and I went to the vet. And, um yeah, I, I just going to acknowledge you, I, I, I felt a little self-conscious. Uh-huh. Um, but here is, I don't know, good or bad news. Her leg has already, like, begun to heal itself. But it's not going to be straight. It's not going to work quite right. But apparently, according to the vet, she's seen a one-legged chicken before. And so my chicken with the broken leg is expected to do just fine. I also learned that there's a lot of people feeding their chickens things they shouldn't be feeding their chickens, and my chicken was complimented for how lean she is. So there you go. Apparently, you don't want fat chickens. Apparently, you want lean chickens. And we have a lean chicken. I also still don't know how to spell Shaira, which, of course, you know, when you take a pet to the vet, they expect you uh, to know how to spell the pet's name. And I said, well, it's only a spoken language. Never have we written down the name of the, of the chickens. Now, some of them have very simple names. And some of them have names that describe uh, the character of the chicken. We had a chicken named Kangaroo once. Um, she hopped everywhere she went. There was something wrong with her legs, but, you know, there you go. Um, big Red, obviously. Little uh, Little Red Hen. Uh, Henny Penny looked like a penny. There you go. You see, we're not... But then there's the Barbaras. Every black and white chicken at my house, regardless of its breed, size, age, they're all named Barbara. Yeah, um, okay, so there you go. That's the quick uh, farm report. Oh, and the little red hen, yes, she is in solitary confinement because at the integration of the the dozen chicks that are now teenagers, they're old enough that two of them are crowing, so we have two roosters. Anyway, at the integration of those 12 into the big coop with the six big hens, we discovered that in the seeking to establish a pecking order, which is something chickens always do, the uh, the the little red hen, she's mean, like mean, mean, mean. So she would not uh, adapt to the reality of uh, of the additional 12 chickens in the coop. And so she is now in solitary confinement over in the small coop all by herself. And I am, I have said it is yet to be determined whether or not her solitary confinement will ultimately result in being on death row. Mm -hmm. There you go. You can interpret that as you will. All right. I want to lift up and celebrate some uh, some proactive folks out there. We talk a lot about political division in the culture today. Here is a group of um, people, former Republican and Democratic officials, former elected governors and members of Congress and on and on and on. And they have actually formed a new political party. This is not something that's easy to do in America, by the way. It's not easy to uh, actually create a political party that is going to um, be able to satisfy all of the requirements across all of the states to end up with candidates on ballots. But this group of former Republican and Democratic officials, um, they are interested in appealing to what they call the moderate common sense majority. They are looking to appeal not to the 20 percent of people on the extreme right, not to the 20 percent of the people on the extreme left, but to the 60 percent of the people um, trapped or caught in the middle. So Andrew Yang wrote a piece uh, in The Washington Post on Wednesday talking about the outdated nature of the two-party system and how it is failing everyone except those people who are on the fringes. He talks about Americans feeling um, unrepresented. And so Andrew Yang, you will recognize as, uh, as a, a person of independent wealth who has run. Um, he ran as a Democratic presidential uh, candidate the last time around. He also ran uh, for the position of the mayor of New York City. But others involved are um, former members of Congress, former uh, governors some of them are republic have been republican some of them have been democrat and now they are all a part of something called the forward party forward all right they're going to be they're going to be forward they're going to lead forward i have not read their full um their their full p- platform yet all of the pillars in their platform but there you go i thought i would alert you of this uh proactive group of people seeking to find a common way forward um, in the forward party. So I'd like to know uh, what you think about that when you get a chance to check that out. Also, we've talked about this, but the Mega Millions jackpot is now up over a billion dollars. That drawing is tonight. And we talked about the math related to that. Um, Was that yesterday or the day before? With, With Heather Zeiger, Um, The math related to the lottery is really bad, and it takes advantage of people who really cannot afford to be spending, I mean, if they were each only spending $2, it would be one thing, but many people buying many tickets to play the lottery. Um, And just be mindful of what the Bible says about gambling, what the Bible says about um, earning the, the money that Um, that we have in righteous ways and spending it in ways that are positive, uh, forward-looking, and for human flourishing. All right, let's take um, one more brief break, and then we will wrap up the day and the week here on Mornings with Carmen. You can always text me, 877-933-2484. All right. We have a listener, Abe, who has texted in something really important. And I want to highlight it in relationship to the pro-life conversations that we're having today, um, but also over time. Um, Yes, absolutely. Where families can be kept together and supported to stay together, absolutely. That is 100% what we want to focus on. Um, Our first focus, this is from Abe, must be to change lives in such a way that families can stay together and generational curses can be broken. Amen, amen, and amen. Um, so, thank you so much for that reminder. Um, we want to be people who acknowledge and recognize the value of life, every life, um, and God's desire for human flourishing. Um, and so, let's be people today who are advancing the cause of Christ in positive, beautiful ways. Let's make the gospel visible, substantial, and beautiful in the lives of others. Um, you know, if you didn't hear the conversation I had with Mary Jo Sharp about how she experienced the church as a new believer, um, that might be worthy of listening to again, especially if you're not a new believer, um, to be reminded of how people experience uh, Christ when they experience Christians. Let's be the people who make the make the gospel visible, beautiful, and substantial today as we go forth to represent Christ to the world that he so loves. Let's see. Nancy uh, Nancy says here, thank you for telling us about this coach in Michigan. What a hero. Um, Yes, absolutely. We want to be uh, lifting up good news stories when we find them and where we find them. You guys can always pass along stories you think I should be telling or subjects we should be covering. You can do that on the text line uh, or by sending me an email, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Uh, let's see. Um newspapers, shredding up newspapers. I think that's probably about the way what I line my uh, chicken coop with. Just checking the text line. The last segment on abortion brought me to tears. Uh, May we have the grace to show grace to those who need it and be the hands of God to hold those that need to be held. Yeah. Amen. Justin, thank you so much for texting that in today. Let's be people of encouragement to one another today. Um, Let's be building up the body and doing our part to advance the gospel. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.